0: So I am very excited for today's interview and you're probably going, girl, you always say that you are excited for every single guest you bring on. But this one's a really fun one. You are going to enjoy this episode because whilst she is a stylist in the fashion industry who has worked closely with top editors and photographers, think. British Vogue, GQ, Harper's Bazaar, Paris Vogue, just to name a few, you know, and working on advertising and commercial projects for major brands like Adidas, Isabel Morant, J. Crew, Levi's Nike, including some major film and artistic collaborations. Her name is Amy Keller and I think what I love most about talking with Amy is that she is ridiculously authentic. If you get to connect with her outside of this interview, which I've been lucky to, uh, you know, hang out in the DMs with her quite a bit in the last few months, she's just a fantastic woman who is so generous. And if you want styling tips, she occasionally answers questions on her Instagram stories, which are super helpful. She's like amazing. But one thing I do love is that she has this ability to not only articulate style from this perspective of luxury and you'll see this come through and the beautiful images that she creates for her Instagram stories. So make sure you go and follow her, Amy Keller Original on Instagram because you'll see what I mean. But she's also able to balance that with like not just your uh, Gucci belt or your Hermes scarf or whatever it is that really makes the outfit. But then she'll be, like go to an op shop and get a shirt and tailor it or find an old pair of Levi's jeans. And so she's incredibly industrious, incredibly talented, and also quite a spiritual person. So we get to dive into that world a little bit as well. You're going to love this one. I'm very excited to introduce you to Amy. But before we do, i have a quick announcement regarding creator club so if you're interested in that hang on one second as a small business owner you carry a lot of stress it's all a lot of the time down to you but when you start making decisions constantly you make really powerful decisions that you also feel really good at making and they're aligned with your values and all of those things, it takes away a lot of stress and tension that for a lot of people, before they get into Create A Club, they've been carrying around this burden of all of these ideas, things they need to change in their business, processes, systems, pricing, all of those things. And then they make a few key decisions and it all compounds in a very positive way from there. And I can think of a number of people who have been doing this, and we're not saying you should go and do this. They've been taking it on their own to make these decisions and using the frameworks that we provide them in the Creator Club so that they can take action with a plan. They know what their next steps are going to be after they've made that decision, right? What I wanted to share with you next is a call to action because if this is a skill that you would like to raise to badass level, badass level shall we say, then I'd like to invite you to apply for Creator Club. We are opening up applications for our November intake. So you'll start in the first week of November If you click the link in the show notes that will take you to an application page you fill out the application and then we jump on a 30 minute call together we discuss your goals we discuss your strategy and your plan to reach those goals we might give you a few ideas on what you could do in order to get there. And then if it's right, we'll share with you a little more about how you can get started in the Creator Club. So if you want to head to creatorclub.link or hit the link in the show notes, you can submit your application now to join us in November. We would love to have you. We would love to help you turn pro in your small business. And we'll see you inside. Welcome to the True To You podcast, your go-to show for practical wisdom to build a meaningful, creative small business. You'll find content on marketing, mindset, and tons of experts who want to help you grow a thriving small business that you love. My guests are exceptionally creative women building businesses from their zone of genius, all while balancing many other roles in their life. I'm your host, Ruby Marsh. Let's do this. I feel like you're someone that, well, two things. One thing I was thinking about is, I do all my best thinking in the shower. (laughs) but I was like, when, do, how did we get connected? I know we're connected through Rama, but I was like, I don't know how you came into my, you know, I think you started following me or I started following you maybe through Mary Margaret. Do you know Mary mm-hmm. Margaret?
1: I think so. Yeah. I love yeah. Mary Margaret. Yeah. She's the best. Oh yeah. Yeah. Love her. Yeah. yeah. So I think maybe like maybe she did a podcast she did your podcast and that's how i found you yeah
0: yeah 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. but i was thinking i was like ah oh, it's just so great because pretty much anyone you meet through rama you're guaranteed to get along with it's <laughs> yeah, you know most of um most of the women i know have like got a few friends here in australia but we're all like online friends Most of them are in North America, but it doesn't matter. It's like, well, we've got this connection of this lineage and these teachings and we're all on the same page with a lot of, you know, a lot of stuff. Some stuff maybe not and that's okay, but you kind of guaranteed to to get along.
1: (laughs) It's like-minded community, which is like one of the, one things, one of like the top five things I've been trying to manifest, especially since the whole, situation that we're in is just like-minded community. So then everything else is just like effortless and easy. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah.
0: And I think I I've really started to miss, I mean, it's why I love talking to people like you. I love talking to people like Mary Margaret. You just really miss a solid conversation that's interesting and that's not all about like what's going on in the world. And I think, um, in some ways, you know, if you get the chance to connect with people that are just outside of your four walls, it's it's really refreshing to to you know have just have interesting conversations. That's why I love mm-hmm, podcasting. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm,
1: mm-hmm. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. Um, the other thing I was going to say to you as well is I feel like a lot of your work, maybe like being a photographer. Is kind of behind the camera, you know. So doing interviews and things like this are very interesting to me because you're quite. Um, I'm quite curious about your creative process and things like that. But so much of it is is seen in what you create through clothing and things like that. So it's always interesting. I'm like thinking, ah, oh, you know your your Instagram stories. Uh, just so beautiful, the imagery that you get. And I'm going to probably talk a little bit about that when we get started. But it's like you take people on this journey and and then yet I want to know who this person is. I want to know who this Amy Keller is.
1: (laughs) (laughs) That is so sweet. Thank you, Ruby. Thank you so much. That that really um, means a lot to me, you know, because I do – I do put in I do put in time into the stories you know not like a crazy amount it's easy for me but I do put in time um and so you know it's just it's like um creating it's like you know when you're a st- when you're a commercial stylist and you're working with film directors that are doing commercials for money, like I've worked with David Fincher and Tar and Roman Coppola. And when you when you when they're doing commercials, they really they're very creative. So they get into like what the story is and what the backstory is, even on a commercial. You know, wow. I did a Burger King commercial for Roman Coppola, and you know, we really get into he does Burger the character- King commercials. That's like- he did on the on the down low, of course, yeah, right? Yeah. Um, <laughs> and you know, we really got into the character and like who he is, and so having that. And then also, um, you know, when I did windows, when I was a window dresser, there's always a character like you, you just learn that creatively. I think if you're in, if you're using your creativity as a forms of currency, like getting paid to be creative, the whole reason you're hired as a creative is to figure out how to sell whatever it is, the most beautiful way that is presentable under the creative umbrella that you're working for. So I was groomed always to like, Okay. It's a, it's a white button down and a, and a flatted khaki Chino for, you know, a mannequin and a J crew or, and I also work for banana Republic. And how do we make something so simple? Like how do we give that mannequin character? What's this you know, to get the customer. And so I was kind of groomed that way. And so it's really great for me um, when I have to do my own marketing because nobody likes marketing themselves. I mean, some people do, I think, but for me it's difficult. And um, so, but I can I can get myself out of my own emotional, egoic head and look at myself as the client and like, how am I going to get, you know, how am I going to make my followers feel, or what do I want them to feel? How am I feeling? And then, you know if I'm, you know, putting up my love potions, my teas up there, like, you know, who's that customer and how do I want to present? And it's easy because I've I've been groomed for it and I, and I love beautiful things. And so, um, thank you for noticing.
0: (laughs) Oh my gosh. No, it's, um, I was an architect for many years before moving into this work. So I've had a very, (laughs) um, I guess, very disciplined training as well and not so much in terms of what you're talking about with um, creating a character, but uh, yeah, homes, I worked on on big homes and it was definitely, you're creating this experience, especially with very Mm high-end architecture because you have such beautiful materials to work with and um, it's so sensory. Uh, and so, yeah, I can, I can, totally relate to what you're saying as well, though, and that getting that discipline training helps you through so many other things. We'll get started with the first question, which I I'm very curious about this one. What gets you out of the bed in the morning? <laughs>
1: The sun gets me out of bed. My dog would get me out of bed. Um, a new client, the the excitement of working with a new client gets me out of bed. A new insane outfit to wear, like a new accessory to wear to like put together for myself, gets me out of bed. Um, oh my gosh! Like knowing there's like a couple slices of leftover pizza in the fridge gets me out of bed in the morning. Uh, knowing that when I'm drinking coffee because I go on and off of caffeine, but totally a cup of coffee gets me out of bed. And then of course my, what also really, really, and truly gets me out of bed is really my sadhana and my meditation practice. I mean, cause I wouldn't be able to do all those other things if I didn't have my practice. So that really, that really gets me out of bed is my sadhana.
0: Yeah. For those listening that might not know what sadhana is, do you want to explain? I do, but, but there might be a few
1: people that What's this sadhana thing? This sounds very interesting. Oh, well, you know, I'm just going to explain sadhana, you know, and how I understand it to be for myself. I'm sure there's like an amazing, uh, you know, definition for it. But for me, sadhana is the, um, the most, it's just the most beautiful, most purest time in my day in the morning where I can truly take care of myself, my subconscious and really get clear on who I am and what I believe in and what kind of love I want to have for myself for the day. So I can project onto others. It's just, it's just like a clearing of spirit and a cleansing of the soul. And, um, you know, it's that other time. It's, it's also, So sadhana is a yogic practice, um, a kundalini yogic practice, and, um, there's different breath work and different movements, um, that can, uh, help you tremendously with your nervous system. And also, you know, it's the fountain of youth, so it can take away years of trauma and pain and, you know, you feel good and and you look vibrant and, um, So I might not be explaining it exactly right, but it's a yogic practice done in the morning and it's very beautiful and very tender and very nurturing. And it's also can be very much like a prescription of of things that you want to work on in your life. So Mm. that's kind of what sadhana is to me, Mm. a a deep, deep yogic morning practice. Yeah. Um, Yeah. You know, do you want to elaborate more on
0: that? Oh, look! I, I think I think you've in in my experience and my my uh, you know being a few years into the practice that sounds about right to me. <laughs> I'm not, um, <laughs> you know, I'm definitely there's there's other people out there that uh, would have deeper explanations. But I love that one thing I picked up from that was. I love the bit about giving love to yourself, such that what you project out into the world is is a reflection of that, and getting into like right action with yourself. It's so easy. I I've fallen into this habit of just picking. I don't have my phone in the bedroom. I've got really good boundaries around that, but probably picking up my phone earlier than I should. and you just you're you're aware of what's going on, but something is not stopping you from putting that phone away. And but I find that when I do create that space, you're so right. everything. Everything just f- flows from there. and um, the practice can be for some people a couple of hours long but for some people it might be much shorter depending on what else is going on in their life and they might have young children and things like that but yeah i really yeah. commend you for for having that
1: practice in your life i commend myself too <laughs> yeah. because it is a it is a, it's a hard practice but it's a good practice so yeah that's pretty much that, what, that that's it that's really what gets me out of bed in the morning you know amazing and you
0: have you you've lived an interesting life so far you've got many stories to tell and you've told a few to me over the over the DMs which has been really really fun to get a little insight into into your background but you were actually born on the opposite side of the country you were born on the east coast and I guess you've lived in two equally beautiful parts of, of the States. You've lived in the East coast around the um, Cape Cod area. Is that right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. And then uh, something, something along the lines brought you over to LA now where you, where you're currently living and practicing yoga at the, the same studio where I practice through, which is what got us connected. And so I imagine your life's been through quite a few different uh, iterations over the years. Would you take us back to the beginning to what really inspired a career in fashion for you and how you got your start becoming a
1: stylist? Well, big question um (laughs) yeah it is a big question well here's the thing I never thought of myself as fashionable um or like that I would be in fashion like I just never I either thought I was going to be an art school teacher or a nun and I'm kind of doing it now I know right (laughs) So I never thought of myself as fashionable but what I did have in my life ever since I was a little girl I always elevated. I was always like, well let's try this. Well let's eat this. Well let's look at this. Well let's try this, you know, like you know, I was eating organic food at like 18 and you know or vegetables we were growing in the garden. Um but you know, I was looked at like, "Oh, why are you mixing things up?" So I never thought of myself as particularly fashionable, but I loved beautiful things and I could see beauty in everything and I could take the tiniest thing and make it beautiful or the simplest thing or, you know, it was just very easy for me. And um, so because of that, I ended up having creative jobs and I was putting myself through art school and waiting tables. And I also worked at a flower shop Um, on Newbury Street in Back Bay, Boston, Massachusetts. And it was Christmas time. And I met the regional visual director for Banana Republic. And he was uh, in a bit of a tizzy getting ready for holiday and doing a big giant Christmas installation. And he needed, you know, like 25 million wreaths like yesterday, all decorated. And I was in the flower shop and I helped him You know get organized in the shop and he's like oh do you know how to put wreaths together and i lied and said yes i mean i had done it with my grandmother at christmas time but i was like yeah of course i know how to put together wreaths and he's like do you want to help me this weekend and i'll pay you and i was like sure and you know the next thing i know i was his assistant at banana republic and from there i dropped out of art school stopped waiting tables became full-time like a regional visual director at Banana Republic in Boston. And then I interviewed um, for a New York position and a Los Angeles position and I got them both. So I took LA and so Banana got me out to LA. I never wanted to be an actress or anything like that at all. I wasn't even like particularly obsessed with the sun. I mean, I loved the beach. Like, Growing up from Massachusetts and and um, going to you know my beach there where I grew up and then Nantucket quite a bit um, working there as well. But anyway, I ended up in LA and I did not really like the Banana Republic jam out here because it wasn't as fun as on the East Coast. So. J. Crew poached me and I started doing windows for J. Crew, which I loved. And I had like an epiphany in the middle of a Christmas window again, installing a Christmas window. <laughs> and basically, I'm like, well, you're either going to go forward in corporate, you know, like a Gen Alliance type position or a creative yeah. director or in charge of design. Or you're going to get out of corporate retail and do your own thing. And like within two weeks, I decided to quit and become a stylist. Wow. And I already had an amazing creative eye from all the years of working, doing windows. And I knew how to source and I knew vintage and I knew fancy designers. I mean, I worked with some genius people too. And that whole window dressing world and I was, you know, nicely taken care of. And my eye was exposed to beautiful, luxurious, tasteful, classic things. Cause that's how it rolled back then with J. Crew and Banana. It was very chic, very like very preppy preppy and waspy and slim errands. Or it was like, you know, Banana Republic was like. Saint Laurent safaris. It was always crisp though, and preppy and chinos and button downs and striped sweaters like easy. And I grew up that way. So exactly, it was very yeah, easy and effortless for me to do that. And I, and I still like one of my great traits as a stylist is I'm very, I dress my clients very classy. Like, don't come to me if you want to look super, super trendy. Um, because that's not, in my opinion, for most women, it's not fiscally responsible. It's not value for the wardrobe, you know? And even clients that do have that budget, I tend to gear them towards classic. It's just a smarter investment. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: (laughs) So did you did you look at people like Jenna Lyons and and idolize them and think for a while it would be cool to to be her? Or did you really just because she made her way up through J. Crew, and, uh, you know, certainly like really raised her profile pretty quickly. A lot of people really aspired to be like her and she was very clean cut, you know, those dark glasses and all of that. Or did you always have the sense that you were going to carve your own path and you didn't kind of get that star struck? Oh, I want to be like her one day
1: and climb the ranks and No, I did my own thing all the time. And I liked doing other things. Like I had a jewelry line. I used to bake old fashioned organic birthday cakes. I was like in a magazine for cooking. Like I didn't want to, that's why I got out of corporate because the money would have been amazing. I'd be a multimillionaire now with probably like another, like, you know, a line of of striped t-shirts that I'm selling at, you know, Bergdorf's or somewhere. Um, but I just, to me, to me, that's like just too one trick pony. For some people it works well, you know, but I had more to do. And now, like now I'm doing a whole spiritual thing, you know, like that's my my new thing now in addition to like all the other creative projects. But like having, in my opinion, having that kind of a lifestyle would not have been as creative for me. I mean, I definitely had and have idols and people that, I copy, you know, for sure. Like there's people that I look up to that I love their style. Um, But nobody I ever wanted to be like.
0: Yes. Yeah. And maybe it's allowed more fluidity with your, your path and allowed you to be less if you work for us, then this is how we need you to be. You, you now can bring in these elements of your life into everything that you do. It's like, there's this fusion and this flow that happens. Yes.
1: Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah and 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 some people some people love the constraints of corporate and love something that that gives them a model and I'm definitely for that because it takes a lot of decisions away it takes courage to go the route that you've gone and say mm, no that's not for me this is really who I am and I think also it takes someone who's very clear in who they are like sounds like you were pretty clear right from when you were little Yeah. This
1: is Amy (laughs) Kalla. This is who I am. Yeah. 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 I mean, yeah, I know what I want. I'm a Virgo. I'm a double Virgo too. So I know exactly what I want, you know, so it's all very easy and I'm organized and orderly and, um, and, um, I'm, I'm quick to edit. I can edit quickly. I don't get emotional about, um, Creativity, really, I really don't. I'm very good at because I feel like you know, we come from such a lack mentality. The last thing I want to have lack of is creativity, you know? So yes. I look at like creativity is you know, and Hollywood teaches you to hold on to that creativity and almost like be greedy about it and like don't give out your sources, or you can't use my assistant, or some corporate entities can make you feel like you want to um you have to hoard your creativity yeah there's no need to hoard creativity it's like let it all just be there and be be able for you to access at all times and so um yeah it's like i have a lot that i like to do and, and want to do you know what i mean there's a bit you know like i'd like to i mean i want to start a commune. I want to buy a piece of property and build like five tiny houses and have them all decorated by each of my friends that have great taste in our decorators and and like I want to do that, you know. Um that's like another thing, like having a commune that I decorate that I design, you know, a whole wellness situation. So yeah, but you know there is something to that corporate job which is very lovely, you know. It's very stable you know, a lot of my former friends and colleagues, they've done very well. They have done other things. It's been great. You know, it just wasn't what I wanted to do. Mm-hmm. Something that you mentioned a little bit earlier was
0: around how you view style in, in, in your, I guess, through your eyes and it's a really interesting conversation. It must be a very interesting world to be in because so much around fast fashion is is being exposed and sustainability and whether, you know, I think sometimes it's lip service is played to sustainability. Some companies are actually sustainable. You've probably got far more knowledge than what I have. But something that, that I picked up from what you were saying is that you like things to be, the way you style a women in particular is very luxurious, it's classic, it's you're wearing a, a white button down shirt right now and a lot of the items may not be I guess the cheapest items that you could you could buy, but you're looking for longevity and something that <clears throat> is classic. And and I'm probably not using exactly the right the right words here, but why why is this this aspect of luxury? Why is it important to you? Do you think? What does that what does that mean when you're styling women
1: and men? What it means to me. <clears throat> styling and luxury is to me, luxury is when, when you, when you know that something has value. So we know, like if we go into Hermes, there's value because you get the great customer service, you get the orange box, you get the ribbon, you get the card with the thank you, you get what you pay for. It's a luxury service. So how I like to do that with clients is I look at them as a a, a brand, a, a piece of how do I want to present them <clears throat> in the most luxurious way. And it's not expensive either. It's just having the budget. Like I want to spend this amount of money on my wardrobe and then I figure out how to make it luxurious. And that can be you know, getting like the Ralph Lauren button down and the Levi's jeans from Goodwill for $25 or $30 and then spending $50 and having the seamstress tailor them. And then maybe spending to say, if you had a $500 budget, save a thousand dollar budget.
0: Let's <laughs> be more no, realistic. Yeah.
1: <laughs> no, I mean, I've done things on 500, but I'm yeah. sh- I want to show luxury. So say you have a thousand dollar budget and um, you, so this is what I would do. I would be like, okay, let's go to, uh, Goodwill and get you the jeans or another, like out here, we have these shops called Crossroads where they have like, um, designer, um, clothing, like resale, you know, Mm. and, basically I just figure out it's like a puzzle. Okay. We can go to Goodwill or we can go to the gap, we can go to J crew and we get you the basics, like the good jeans with the good top. We spend a little bit of money on alterations. And then we go with $800 and we buy a Gucci loafer that you'll have for years. You'll learn how to take care of them because I'll tell you how to take care of them. So you have this insane outfit where you've spent like a hundred dollars on you know, the jeans and the shirt from the Goodwill or wherever. And then another little hundred dollars on alterations. And then you have your 800, maybe they're like eight $900. And then you have a Gucci loafer and you look so cute with your little jeans tailored to fit you just so, and a little Ralph Lauren top. I mean, that's luxury because now you've paid for me as well, but now you've, you have to include that into your cost. But now you've got like an outfit that you could pretty much wear anywhere and look cute and get compliments on because it fits you beautifully. You know, it's luxury because you've spent money on me, which is a luxury or it's not a luxury. It's a necessity, but you've invested in yourself. So you, and you know that I'm providing luxury. So you're going to end up feeling like you've you've spent your money wisely and now it's presenting in a way where you're getting adoration, and um, compliments back from others. And you can wear that outfit with a little suit jacket to an interview, depending on what you're interviewing for. You can wear it out to a lunch date. You can wear it, you know, roll the sleeves off and throw some pearls on. And you can wear it, you know, to a little, um, you know, like a date or, or it's like a visit with grandma. There's so many different ways to do that outfit, you know. Yeah. So does that answer the question? about? Yeah.
0: Yeah. And I think what I love about that is it's interesting because luxury is one of those things that it's a whole concept, right? What I'm hearing is that it's not just about buying the most expensive things and it's about the whole look that you're creating and it doesn't, like the the shoes or the handbag or maybe the right kind of belt and that might mm-hmm. be a very expensive item but it's bringing that whole package together and I think it's something that I toy with a lot because we can feel bad about spending money on really expensive luxury items but you've just highlighted some some reasons why they can actually be the best thing that you can have in your wardrobe versus saying I'm only going to buy sustainable brands and it has to be sustainable. But it also means that you're always buying new things, even though they might be sustainably made and organic cotton, it's still new stuff. And what you said was, well, maybe you can bring in a bit of recycled clothing or upcycled vintage yeah. or whatever it is into the whole mix. So I, I really love that and, and that makes me feel a lot better. <laughs>
1: Some of my decisions. Oh totally. It's that's yeah. all about I mean it's if you're on a budget or you don't want to spend money it's all about going to Goodwill and getting like you can get White Brooks brothers button downs, you can get Levi's 501s, you can get Beautiful Ralph Lauren striped shirts. You can get you know all sorts of uh, classic pieces. Where if you just you know have a tailor or a seamstress, you know you can have it fitted to you. It takes a little bit of time. It takes a little bit of patience, but it 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 fits the bill. It's the way to go. It's just smart. You look good, and you know, and then you start creating your uniform from there. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Okay. So talk to me about the uniform. How does someone oh. decide what their, their uniform is? And, and I imagine that for some people it might be the same few pieces, but then you may, we might be talking about a whole look,
1: talk to me about this uniform idea. <laughs> so a uniform is what I do for clients. It's almost like, um, a mix and match situation. Basically I I curate and put together and choose different pieces of clothing that you basically can intermingle, intermatch. This goes with that, that goes with this. And it's literally like five pieces and you have 10 different outfits. Um, and it really works. And it's men, it's really easy to do it with men because they, um, I mean, women totally can. I mean, I do it for women all the time, but men have it a lot easier. Mm, mm, yeah. Um, with their uniform. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Do you have a uniform yourself?
1: I do have uh, uniforms. Um, a couple of them are right now. I have like painter pants, like a pair of cream ones and a pair of medium wash denim Levi's painter pants, like little carpenter pants that I wear with button downs and sandals or ballet flats or white slip on bands. And I always wear, um, so it's a very easy outfit. That's like not an expensive outfit, but um, I have like a Gucci belt, the Gucci belt buckle. Um, and I have like a vintage belt that I loop through it. So it's super cute outfit, not expensive. I did spend money on that Gucci belt buckle, but I'll have it forever and I can put different belts in it. So I'll go to the vintage store and get old beat up worn leather belts and, and take out the fancy um, piece of leather that it came with and put a beat up belt in it. I also, um, I like to spend money jewelry because jewelry can very simple outfit. Um, so that's like one little uniform right there, the, the, the button downs and the carpenter pants with the three kinds of shoes and like a little camel or a Navy blue cashmere sweater thrown around my shoulders for warmth. If I need it, the other part of that uniform is not the white, the button down. I'll do like the Navy or the cashmere sweater tucked into my Little jeans with the Gucci belt and the Vans or a Gucci loafer or, um, you know, a high heel. I mean, you can really get a lot of wear and tear out of a pair of blue jeans and a blue cashmere sweater and a good high heel. It's a great outfit.
0: That was something I love today. Uh, If you if you follow Amy, she is like an exquisite is the word source tap tap of inspiration for me in terms of of diving into this whole world of luxury and it's very monaco french riviera a bit of paris uh, you know having traveled to some of these places when i was much younger i can really see where some of your influences she goes a lot back in time as well which is really Really fun and seeing, I guess, the world through your eyes, Amy, through your Instagram stories is really, really cool. I'd love to know a little bit more about your creative process. So you you mentioned that living in LA is pretty interesting because people really hold tight to their creativity. And they, uh, you know, they have their secrets and their ideas and things like that. And they have this select group of people that they work with. How do you, yeah, you you share quite a lot of your creative process through things like Instagram. How is that How has that been for you living somewhere like LA, where people have hold that quite tight? how have you found your your sweet spot in sharing your creative process and being open to that rather than holding it holding it close
1: i just let go of the fear it's just letting go of fear i don't i don't care anymore i'm just here to create and to elevate and to find beauty and as soon as i wrapped my head around that i don't care i'll i just I don't, I just, it's easy. It's my gift. This isn't one of my gifts. And so I'm, I like to give it when I can and no one can take it away from me. And, um, it's just, it's, a, it's being, uh, it's being generous of heart. And, um, that's very important to me. And it's also, again, it's so easy for me. I, I, if I could give it away, I would, you know, mm. so it's just letting go of the fear. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Do you think people have a lot of fear where in Hollywood, you know, and that's what stops them? Yeah.
1: Yeah. It's a lot of, you know, root chakra energy, lots of lower vibrational energy frequencies, you know? Um, I mean, you can just, it's really kind of interesting driving down Sunset Boulevard because all of the billboards and advertising is It's such a kind of programming um, that, you know, it seems very fear-based. I mean, there's like American horror story with like satanic ritual type of craziness. And, um, you know, all this, everything's the end of the world. It's just, it's, it's, yeah. So I would say there's a lot of fear in Hollywood. (laughs) I mean, it's obvious in how they advertise what is, what kind of programming they have coming out. So. Yeah, and you know, I just kind of roll with the fear.
0: I imagine also having your practice, like your yoga, and and our teacher who has since passed. One things, one of the things that I always remember her saying. It's there's so many of her teachings that are just etched in my brain that 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 are there on um, on demand, <laughs> which is so cool. And one of them is. Talking about and and I imagine this came from Yogi Bhajan, but it, this time is so important to leave your creative mark, to really scribe your mark as if if the world is one of is a beautiful old tree and you're going to put your little mark in that tree. It's almost doing a disservice to this time where we have so much fear to not be creative because it's like the antidote, really, isn't it?
1: Exactly. And yeah, I'm exactly. It's the, love is the antidote. And I know it sounds like, you know, like a movie matrix, you know, but it really is what it's all about. And it's self-love. It's not love like I want a boyfriend and like get married kind of love. It's having the the love of self to not have fear, to give of heart, to give of soul. and. um you know that's why it's so easy because now i understand exactly what the um the energies are like and that is because of our beautiful beloved teacher who i miss every single day mm-hmm. um so yeah it is the an, an- anecdote or yeah. antidote. What is it? The an- <laughs> antidote, I think. Antidote. <laughs> the and cure. It could be yeah. an anecdote. It could be yeah. an anecdote. We can figure that out. Yeah. So um yes.
0: Yeah. Yeah. You you have you have no no reason not to, right? No, no reason not to share your creativity with others. Yeah, because- we're all
1: creators.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And so uh, uh, one question I'm interested in asking you about in terms of there's, an, there's this world of fashion that you're in with your styling, but then you're creative in so many other ways. And I, I know you have a love of food and you're very interested in um, so many other things, the spiritual world that we are part of as well. And you mentioned something before we were went into recording this episode. It, it was a few weeks ago. You said that I'd love to to talk about food and well being because and healing with food in particular. It's something. It's part being part of your journey because right now, so much of our consciousness is being hijacked by crappy energy crappy food. You were saying the billboards on Sunset Boulevard, the messages are coming in hot and strong <laughs> everywhere we look. So talk to me about how, you know, some of these other creative outlets that you have, like cooking and food and and why this is really important. I imagine it also actually feeds back into your creativity. It nurtures it
1: in some way. Yeah. Oh, 1000%. Like I love talking about food just as much as fashion and food has been a big part of my life. I'm Italian and, you know, it was all about food and it has been hijacked. Our food has been hijacked. You know, the soil has been hijacked. The air has been hijacked and it's difficult. It's very difficult to eat clean and healthy, especially in America. So to me, eating beautifully is also another form of luxury. And again, it's not very hard to do and it's not that expensive. What what the thing is with dressing nice and eating well, what's the thing? It's not expensive. It just takes discipline. And Mm. that's another thing that's missing too in our world is discipline. And it's just the simple discipline of making a plan figuring out what you want to wear and how you want to look, figuring out what's going to heal your body and how you're going to prepare it and how you're going to shop for it. And, um, you know, when I got into my spiritual practice is when I really started using food to heal my body and heal my trauma. Um, we all have childhood trauma. It's not like, you know, it's a scary thing that, that, I had, you know, the trauma part, but, um, and so food has really, and it, and it really is a creative process. I mean, it's, it's so lovely and beautiful to shop for someone. I love, I mean, I used to cook big, giant Thanksgiving dinners for 20 people and I'd cook everything. No one had to bring anything, not even any alcohol. Um, cause I took care, you know, I had it all dialed in and um it's just it's just a whole creative process you know to to think of the menu to plan for it to shop for it and I of course you know I'm also the type of person I'll go to five grocery stores that I mean most people don't I do I'll go to the farmer's markets I go to specialty shops I go to health I go to three different health food stores because each one has you know I also look for sales like The Co-op and Lassen's, which are health food stores out here, they have the same things that Air One has. And Air One's like an amazing, expensive health food store out here. And it's less expensive for me to go to those other two stores to get what I need. So I'll take the time. But then I have... I have all the beautiful luxury things. Like I have everything and I've saved my money. Like I've saved money because I saw that it was less expensive there than over here. And so I'm going to get that there and I'll go to here and get that. And you know, it does take time, but that's luxury. Luxury takes time. Wealthy Mm. people aren't luxury over. They don't have luxury overnight so it takes time but it's not that much time it's just a little bit of time and then it's a code and then you have the different keys to crack the code and um so it's again it's just it's just the discipline it's a little bit of due diligence and quite honestly it's all over instagram how you can be healthy and how you can elevate yourself so you just have to like look at instagram for a half hour curate a positive predictive programming for yourself and you will be able to, you know, have that in your mind's eye constantly. Do you know Mm, what I mean? mm, mm.
0: I love what you said there about discipline. And I think that's something that we get to learn through perhaps our spiritual practice or through the sports that we play or the even discipline I think of musical instruments or maybe you have a writing practice but it's really in an age where distraction seems to be the bane of everyone's life right now. I know. It's so distracted. We hear it all the time. It's like cultivating a discipline practice can it takes you next level, I think. I think it's like you get a whole overhaul of your, your whole system, your nervous system, because you through discipline, you probably regulate it to a certain degree. You're not throwing in all these erratic inputs all of the time. And you get to learn something as beautiful as preparing a meal. And I agree. There's so much love that comes through in food. It's such an so underrated much. expression. It's so
1: Yeah. It's so sexy. I mean, there's yeah. especially quite honestly, like I don't know about you, but I don't really feel like going out to dinner in LA with people cooking all that food with a fear-based block root chakra. Like (laughs) I don't, I'm sorry. Like I'm much happier eating and cooking my own food. And so it, yeah, it's love. It's, it's, that's what it is. It's like And discipline, to your point, having a discipline is what brings you the self-love in order to serve yourself so that you can have a luxurious, beautiful, well-appointed, balanced, productive, higher vibrational life. Mm, mm.
0: Yeah, are there any practices around food that you you do? You, You make some amazing love potions, which is really fun. Um is there anything that that you do in particular that's very that's very much a discipline for you now in terms of cooking my food or Yeah, speech, yeah. Speech, yeah. What do you mean say that again? So is there in, anything in terms of things that you do with your, with your food routines. I know you, you spend time making those beautiful potions that are a discipline for you that, um, create, I guess, uh, you know, help with the healing process ultimately, but yeah. Is there anything you want to share around that?
1: Well, the love potions were definitely created for my own self-healing. Um, and there, the discipline with that was beautiful. Um, I would have all of our um, the mantras that we listen to, you know, in our practice. So I would have mantras going while I prepare the teas. And you know, I made sure where I got the teas um, that the uh, source was um, organic. And I met the owner and I checked her energy out before wanting to, you know, buy my product from her. Um, so I checked out where my product was coming from. I um, I wanted to use recy- recycled packaging. So basically all of it, the packaging that I use for the love potions is all found items around my house. Um, which I like that I like because that um, it's not wasteful. Like I have red and white kitchen twine, and I have a big giant spool of that, and I use that to to wrap up the the bottle that gets wrapped in this old amazing Japanese calendar that I got at this store in Venice called Tortoise, and they have these Japanese calendars like <clears throat> what a Japanese car mechanic might have in his his wow. office or. Or what a Jap- a sushi restaurant in the but in japan and it's great and i have had this calendar hanging and i love it and have not wanted to throw it away because it's so cool and it literally is the perfect piece of size of paper for me to wrap up the bottles so like i i wanted to um use recycled packaging and that was very easy and seamless So I have the mantras going when I, when I prepare it, I have great water. I have like two different water systems. I'm looking into Kangen as my third water system. So the water's like good. Then, then I have crystals everywhere. I have crystals around it while it's um, steeping, while it's simmering, while it's cooling. I have all sorts of rose quartz crystals around it and selenium for grounding and for love. and while that sounds like a lot, it's really not a lot because, you know, I have the mantras going anyway. I'm already making the tea for myself anyway. I've already had the stuff. It all just can happen. It's creativity. It's magic. It's what happens when you take care of yourself and you give yourself self-love and you ask the universe and you ask God and you ask your higher self, how can I create based on where I am now in my life and what kind of healing. And that came to me in an, actually a, a class with Tej. Mm. Um, the, um, because Yogi Bhajan was saying all yoga teachers should have a backup plan or a second job or something to sell. And I'm like, I need something to sell and <laughs> love potions came to me. <laughs> so, um, so, yes, there's a discipline with that. And I am very disciplined with my cooking for myself and for others as well. Um, you know, everything, of course, is very clean and neat and orderly as, you know, being a Virgo and all. And, um, and I am very careful with how I eat. I eat very clean, very healthy, all organic. But what I did learn, and this is one of the most important pieces of discipline and of a practice And of eating with luxury is when you make a mistake, because we all do, you do not beat yourself up and you let it go and you course correct and you do better the next day. And that's where the discipline, the practice comes in because the practice gives you the idea of discipline. Then it gives you the idea of I'm not a bad person if I had an ice cream cone three days in a week, three times three days in a row this week, I'm just going to keep getting better and getting back on to my course. And I'm not going to beat myself up. And the next thing you know, you're like, it's been 10 days and you haven't had an ice cream. And there's been no unkind words towards self or any kind of acting out. It's that it's, it's the,
0: it's thinking about it long, long term. We talk about it as long game in business, you know, and I think that's what I uh, something I love about the practice, the yoga practice that we have is that it's not trying to tick off a bunch of goals. It's about a, a lifetime of discipline and of devotion And love towards yourself, and then obviously how that spreads out into your world, your work, and your family and things. But it's never something that I've said I'm only going to do this for this period of time in my life. But instead, I've 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 since bringing this practice into my life. See this as something that. I'll do when I'm 90 or hundred, you know, if, if, <laughs> if life uh, heads that direction, which I hope it does, it's, it's quite beautiful that you, that you see that as not just these short, quick wins that you get. And oh, I'm going to, because I think other, other mm-hmm. forms of practice, especially physical practice in my life were much more orientated towards that. But true discipline and, and and devotion over time really has a lot of rewards for you as you grow and change and get older and, and things like
1: that. One, you're so right. Absolutely. Yes.
0: Yeah. Yeah. But it, it takes, it takes deciding that that's what it's going to be for you. And that's not for everyone as well.
1: No, it really is. Yeah. You just have to make the decision, you know, and Harry even says too, um, you know, I've heard him say in class, it doesn't matter what you do. If you want to leave Kundalini and do something else, just at least have the discipline. What's the, it doesn't, you can, you have to have the discipline because at some point you'll be able to recreate your new matrix, your new life. At some point, if every day you say, I love myself, I'm going to excel, I'm going to be amazing, I'm going to have A, B, C, D, and E, and you do it every day, it's going to happen. Mm. So yes, kundalini is the best, in my opinion, because it's the fastest, but again, there's a very, there's a deficit of discipline in the world. Mm-hmm. So mm. yeah, That's the problem. Yeah. Yeah. That's why people don't stay on diets or exercise programs or money programs or, you know, uh, whatever people are trying to fix and change. There's no discipline. It's like, nope, that doesn't work next, next. It's like, just stick with one thing and you'll, at some point you'll, your highest self and your 3d self will come together. The long game ruby yeah, the, the long game absolutely <laughs> absolutely
0: oh uh, this has been i knew this conversation would be good i knew we would go into lots of different things and uh, throughout this i you've you've continually inspired me amy to oh. dive more into food dive more into fashion i was even thinking before i jumped on here i was like i wonder if amy does Uh, zoom consults (laughs) because (laughs) yeah, and I I guess anyone listening to this if you like what you hear and you find Amy inspiring and interesting and you'd love to get some fashion advice from her yeah you do you do zoom
1: consults yes yes I do yeah yeah Yeah. Mm
0: -hmm. Uh, I did an
1: article I yeah right when the thing happened um I did an article on what to wear for zoom calls too (laughs) did you follow it though yeah 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 oh cool Uh cool
0: awesome well thank you so much Amy is there anything that you would like to share about your work or what you're up to that people
1: can can be a part of or follow along with Yes. Thank you so much, Ruby, for having me. I so appreciate it. It was such a fun chat. I would love to do it again. Um, people can find me on Instagram, right? Um, Amy Keller original and, um, you know, you can DM me, um, for a zoom consultation as well. Amazing.
0: Amazing. One last question for you. This yes. has been curious to me. Yeah. Uh, you write in in lowercase. Everything's lowercase. Oh. T- t- tell me about where the lowercase thing came about.
1: Well, you know, I was just thinking maybe I need to be all normal, you know. I just feel like um lowercase visually looks it looks prettier and it like it kind of reminds me of haiku, you know, haiku yeah. poetry. Um and I just I thought it was beautiful. And quite honestly, you know, I had a job and I have a career and such where I can communicate that way for the most part, you know, and I'm like, well, it looks pretty. And, um, you know, no one's asked me to like (laughs) spell properly or to, you know, capital. So until somebody asks me to do it differently, I'm just going to say it just looks pretty. That's all. And it's simple. You know, it's a simple, pretty little thing. This is
0: someone who's really clear on their sense of style. Because you're able to follow that through, I think when someone has a really strong sense of style, it comes through in everything that they do, right? And when I started seeing this in all these different places, I was like, I love that. Like she's so committed to <laughs> this idea, and this is part of who she is. And you're really embodying that. It was something very, very small that I picked up, but I, oh. I love, I love little details
1: like that. So thank you for embellishing me that too. question for me. Yes. Thank you. You're so sweet. Thank you so much. What a great, great chat. Um, Thank you, Ruby. You're welcome. You're welcome.